Well, the Mountain West is gearing up to make its pitch to Oregon State and Washington State to become members of their conference, and they can make a pretty compelling pitch, but there are roadblocks. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day in your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team-free, soon to be perhaps even more team-free, and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So the Mountain West commissioner, who I like a lot, I think her comments have been uh, quite good and professional and well-suited to the conference's best interests throughout this entire endeavor. Gloria Navarez has reportedly met with Washington State. She met reportedly with Oregon State yesterday, making pitches to those universities to join her conference, the Mountain West. Now, this is a tricky situation because Oregon State and Washington State can remain members of the pack and there are benefits to that, which I'll get to, but then there are downsides as well. And all this sort of stuff, the expectation actually is that for Oregon State and Washington State, clarity is not going to come quite as soon because this stuff is so complicated and hard to work out. So we'll get to continue to cover it as the season goes on. See how happy I am about that? Now, as for Stanford, Cal, and SMU, one-time future Pac-12 member, SMU that is, they're reportedly going to be getting that that approval into the ACC. It looks like that'll be done this week. Maybe it stretches into next week, but they're just trying to hammer out the details. Both sides see the benefit. Both sides seem to want that to happen. So now it's a world in which we're down to the Pac-2, Oregon State and Washington State, and they have to decide what to do. So the Mountain West's pitch to Oregon State, I think, is centered around a few key tenets. Number one, stability. The Mountain West has certainly had teams leave before. Utah and TCU were one-time members of the Mountain West, but the league has continued to thrive since then. They've had some solid brands. Of course, San Diego State just got to the national championship game in men's basketball. Fresno State and Boise State are kind of your linchpins for football, along with the Aztecs, who picked up a win over Ohio on the weekend. Wasn't as well attended as you would have liked to have seen, but also they're in the Mountain West. They're not coming to uh, the, the P5 level at this point in time, but I still think one day that could happen for uh, the Aztecs, and I do think they deserve it. But stability is something that they can offer because right now everything is uncertain up in the air for Oregon State and Washington State. They have no idea where they're going to be going, what they're going to be doing. They do have basically three paths. It's the Mountain West, the American, or rebuild the pack with schools from each of those two aforementioned conferences. Now, stability is one thing they can offer because they have a depth of teams that are not really going anywhere. I mean, Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, yeah, maybe, but I don't see a realignment world in which other conferences, probably the Big 12, come for Mountain West schools one day and Oregon State and Washington State aren't at the top of their list. Like, I, I don't know how that happens. Like, maybe they would go for four, but 
I don't see if you go for two, it'd be the Beavs and the Cougs. If you go for four, it'd be the Beavs and the Cougs and the Broncos and the Bulldogs, right? Boise State and Fresno State. If the Big 12 were to come for, for Mountain West programs one day, San Diego State would also be a, a player in there. But I don't see how either would get left out. So I think the stability argument holds some weight. Now, the other thing that they can offer is the media rights deal. Now, what people who favor the American Conference will point out is that the American Conference's media rights contract pays out more per school than the Mountain West's, which is true. However, there are two things to consider here. Number one, three things actually. Well, two and a half. You'll see. Number one, the travel costs to play in the American Conference are significantly greater than that of the Mountain West for Oregon State and Washington State. So any increased amount, if you're getting a couple million more, there's going to be a portion of that that is offset by the increased travel. Because remember, this is funding an entire athletic department or helping fund an entire athletic department. It's not like this is the only way athletic departments make money, but it is a chunk of the change that's in there for you know their, their money that they give to, to all their programs. But everybody needs planes. Everybody needs food. Everybody needs hotel. And there are hundreds and hundreds of student athletes uh, who, who are traveling and playing games and doing all this sort of stuff. So that's the first thing to consider. But the second thing is with Oregon State and Washington State joining a group of five conference, I, I'm not sure how the valuation of that particular media deal doesn't increase at least a little bit. Like you, you have two brands, which is what you're trying to establish at the G5 level, because when you're in a conference like the Mountain West or the American, you may have access to teams that are in some sizable media markets. But for the most part, you're trying to find a brand like a Boise State, for instance, who earns an outsized share or a greater share of uh, a media rights payout than everybody else in the Mountain West. Why? They bring in more. Why? They have more viewership. Why? Because they're the biggest brand in there. So at the very least, I, I would think, and I don't know, I, I'm not an expert on calculating that sort of stuff. I would imagine that Oregon State and Washington State have to bring something to the table to a G5 conference, right? They don't for a power five. We know that because that's why they're getting left behind in all this realignment stuff. But they have to, I think, at least bring something to the table or be in line for, you know, a higher end share or a Boise, a Boise State level share, perhaps. I don't know. That, that's just kind of my suspicion. But here's the other factor with the Mountain West and the pitch that they can offer. Their media rights contract, which has a linear component with Fox and CBS and pays, I think, somewhere around $5 million per school and Boise gets a little bit more than that, is up to be renegotiated in 2026. The Americans doesn't come up until 2032. So that question that I just posed would be readily brought to the forefront of the minds of athletic departments in the conference of, hey, do Oregon State and Washington State increase our value here? And if so, we have the opportunity to pretty quickly get a media deal that pays more than what we had previously. So that's an intriguing element to all of this, that the Mountain West deal is, is going to be either redone or renegotiated in, in 2026. And, you know, I, I've long stated and continue to believe that whichever conference Oregon State is a part of, whether that's a rebuilt PAC the Mountain West, or the American, that is going to be, because of their presence there in football specifically, the best group of five conference in the country. If you look at who's left in the American and you compare that to a Mountain West with Oregon State and Washington State, that's the strongest league the Mountain West would be. 
If you look at the Mountain West and the teams that are there and you put Oregon State and Washington State into the American, that would be the best G5 league. So it's the best option available. Or if they rebuilt the pack, depending on which schools they added, that could be the strongest G5 football league. So I think all that all that will come into play once we get finality on this sort of stuff. But I don't know that this is going to be quite as urgent as Stanford and Cal because it is a really really complicated situation and there's an option with regards to a reverse merger with the Mountain West and the pack and keeping it alive and, and we have we have to get all to, to all that because it's really important to understand why this is not going to be done as quickly as the ACC's deal with with Stanford Cal and SMU that one like I, I talked about on yesterday's show I suspect I don't have an inside track here but I suspect will be done this week or next week and that's what all the reporting seems to be. And I think that's when they want to get it done. They're just trying to finalize the details there. But these are big, big moves that we're talking about. Oregon State and Washington State to the Mountain West or to the American or, or rebuilding the pack. So all that matters tremendously. So too does you being in the best frame of mind possible. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. Because we all deal with decisions, whether it's personally, professionally, or anything else. And therapy can help you stay connected with what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Kind of like one thing I love about doing this show it fits my schedule because I can record them at various points, these shows, during the day. BetterHelp works the same way. It's entirely online. I can use the same equipment to access BetterHelp that I use here to bring you these shows. And I thank you all for tuning in, by the way. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash college today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash college. Therapy can be very helpful. Second segment sips, kind of like therapy, very helpful. So here's the other option that's on the table, or the other options, I should say. Rebuilding the pack with just Oregon State and Washington State and probably pulling schools from the American and the Mountain West, or a reverse merger is an idea that, based on everything I've seen reported, John Wilner had a great piece in the Mercury News uh, the other day I was reading, actually as I recorded the show, uh, I, I was reading it this morning, and he talked about how that's more than just an idea, it's a very real possibility. And essentially what that would entail is the Mountain West dissolving and then becoming the new pack. Now, this is a legal question that lawyers are, are going to have to answer. I think either way, and this is another part of the pitch that the Mountain West can make to Oregon State and Washington State, if they're involved, if they end up becoming one entity, whether that's you know the Mountain West or the new pack or something like that, access to the college football playoff because you're playing in the best G5 league in the country for football is not out of the question. It's, it's, it's not easy, it's not automatic, but it's not out of the question. So that's part of the pitch. And I think that that exists for Oregon State and Washington State either way. But it depends on, you know, if they rebuild the pack and it's some American, some Mountain West, now you have to examine the pedigree of all the schools in there. But I, I think it would lean towards, you know, being an undefeated conference champion. Yeah, it's it's going to give you a chance. But here's where, where everything gets tricky and why this is not going to play out 
uh, in a short amount of time. The PAC as a conference does still presently exist and is still scheduled to exist in 2024. I know the PAC as we know it has died, but this is a really important legal you know, uh, distinction to make because this is why the option of rebuilding the PAC is going to be appealing to Oregon State and Washington State. And I think even if and probably when Stanford and Cal leave for the ACC, it's still what Oregon State and Washington State might prefer. But that might be a tough sell to the Mountain West who would say, well, we don't want to just stop existing as, as a conference unless, I mean, if Gloria Navarez became the commissioner of the new PAC, I, I'd frankly be on board with that. She seems great. But the PAC itself still exists as a legal entity and has remaining assets, things like postseason payouts, conference revenue, emergency funds, all this sort of stuff. So if the PAC remains and Oregon State and Washington State stay in it, then the assets that the conference has accumulated, as in NCAA tournament units or postseason payouts or all this sort of stuff, that stuff goes to the conference and then is distributed to the remaining members. If you leave the conference as eight and soon to be 10 probably schools have done and will do, they are not entitled to any of that money, but that money still belongs to the conference and the members who are there. So if Oregon State and Washington State stay in the pack, then they would get all of that money. Now, where that money would go, unclear but Washington State and Oregon State would get access to at least as I understand it an outsized portion of it if not all of it and then the new teams that would come in maybe some of the money gets used to help you know pay exit fees or negotiate or you know all, all that sort of stuff but there's there's a non-zero amount of money there for programs like Oregon State and Washington State I mean we know that Washington State has had financial perils over the last several months and year calendar year or so they had to put that hiring freeze on and everything they could definitely use just a, a, an influx of many many millions of dollars so if the league were to dissolve though and oregon state and washington state rather than rebuilding the pack or doing a reverse merger where the mountain west just moves over and becomes the new pack then the remaining 12 schools for this season, what we know as the Pac-12 and refer to the Pac-12, they will all get the money to be distributed evenly as it would have if the league had never dissolved in the first place. But for that to happen, the Pac would have to formally and legally dissolve. I know it is actually dissolved, but it has not legally dissolved and gone away. So according to John Wilner, of a, a Bay Area news group, $65 million in NCAA tournament units is expected to be paid out over the course of the next decade. And there's also $43 million in net assets. Now, another part of that, you take on the conference's assets, you take on its liabilities. My understanding from having read the, the reporting on all this sort of stuff is that the Comcast overpayments, which are in the 60 to $70 million range, are going to be withheld from all 12 schools equally because it occurred while they were there. That's just how it appears at this point in time. So just in case you're thinking like, well, there's $65 million there, but they have to pay all that money to Comcast. Like that money is not going to be just a dead hit solely that the conference is solely responsible for. It will impact the schools that were in the league when the overpayments were, were taking place. So that is the appealing side of 
trying to find a way to rebuild the pack for Oregon State and Washington State. The Mountain West is going to make their pitch. As I talked about earlier in the show, the American Conference is also expected to make their pitch, which I'm sure will be similar. I think the Mountain West one is slightly more compelling because of the geography of the situation, but the best option for Oregon State and Washington State, as crazy as it sounds, is still to rebuild the pack. Now, there are obstacles to that, right? I I think we all understand there are obstacles to rebuilding the pack. Number one, finding teams who can join your league and make you, you know, an actual conference. You have to have a certain number of teams. There's a grace period, as I understand it, from the NCAA that allows them to exist with fewer than eight teams for a couple of years, but they'd have to get up to eight, which they could theoretically do. Like there's a world in which they could add four American teams for next year, play at six for one season, and then add four Mountain West teams for the following year who would then have more normal exit fees of $17 million, which is more feasible. And the American schools, it doesn't really matter when you add them because you're inside the 27-month threshold. So it would automatically trigger to go beyond $10 million. The American schools that left for the Big 12, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, they all had to pay $18 million, even though the exit fee stipulates that it's $10 million. So it would probably be in that sort of range, 15 to 18, maybe 20, but probably closer to 15 to 18 million, I I think is kind of the expectation for a team to leave the American conference and then join next year. And they owe that money. The American teams are paying, uh, or the now big 12 teams are paying to the American conference. They're paying that money over the course of time. So it's really just, you know, one to $2 million a year for like, for like 10, 11 years or or something like that. So leaving the Americans a lot more manageable on a short-term basis, the Mountain West, it's much tougher. So there is a world in which Oregon State, Washington State could say, we're going to rebuild the pack and we're going to have, I guess it would be George Klyovkov as the commissioner. And they would go grab four American schools, which would most likely be, uh, if SMU is going to join uh, the, the ACC, you'd probably be looking at Rice, Tulane. Gosh, I mean, Memphis and USF would be would be neat and all, but that's a big geographical reach. Maybe they'd be able to pull that, right? Like that, that might be worthy of examination now that the SMU component is out of there. And then the following year, you would add four Mountain West schools, and that would probably probably be San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, and either Colorado State or UNLV. Those would be the most uh, likely candidates there. But you would have to find teams who can make the logistics work. You'd have to find enough teams. And you have to have teams that are going to stick around and actually be able to give you some stability within the conference and who don't have an eye on, you know, getting to a power five. Because, like, say you added Boise State and Fresno State. What's to say they aren't going to be candidates to leave the, the new pack and want to go to the Big 12 if the Big 12 decides to expand again, you know, around 2030. So I think that's a challenge. And then the other obstacle, and this is what I think Gloria Navarez has to, you know, really hone in on when making her pitches to Oregon State and Washington State is, hey, we have a media rights contract here. And the PAC currently, I don't know if the Apple deal is still on the table, certainly not for the same amount of money now that almost everybody has left, but Apple's interest in live sports content appears to be very real. So maybe they just bring the dollar amount down and that's where they would go. But is that something that you want to do? Is that a pursuit that you feel is viable if you're Oregon State, Washington State? Are you going to get enough exposure only being on Apple? Playing in a conference that doesn't have Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Utah, 
Colorado and the Arizona schools, I, that, that that's a tough calculation to make and I think a pretty tough sell. So those are kind of the, the obstacles to it. I think that's enough realignment talk for uh, for now. As always, ask your questions and I'm happy to answer them as best I can. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore PAC 12. DMs and mentions both wide open. We have honest to goodness, real, impactful, important football happening this week. Isn't it great? And you can bet it all at FanDuel. Yeah, you can. You can bet it all at FanDuel because FanDuel is America's number one sports book. You can get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel and college football as well. We're going to be talking about FanDuel lines here in just a matter of moments. But right now, new customers can bet $5. That's it. $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props. You can still get over-under win totals for teams who haven't yet played a college football game. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. I'll be relying on FanDuel all season long for the Pac-12 Prime Picks, which will return this Friday. Can't wait to have a better season than last year. Where I was just a shade under 50%. Trying to do better than that this season for sure. So go check out FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's talk about some football. So a couple of interesting notes on point spreads. We had some betting lines that I've been monitoring over the the lead up to this season and to this week and to all the games and everything. So the most interesting and impactful one is Utah. So Utah plays Florida on Thursday at Rice-Eccles. It's going to be an awesome football game. I will actually miss watching the game. I will be calling the Arizona State game on Southern Utah radio, but... That is going to be an awesome, awesome football game. I might be watching that one off to the side, you know, and that's like that's that's gonna be a fun game to watch. But that line has moved back out to six and a half on FanDuel. Now it opened at nine and a half, which is a pretty sizable spread. And then last week it cratered all the way down to Utah minus four and a half. And it has since, like a stock, rebounded up to six and a half. And I think that my theory on why it went all the way down to four and a half was correct. That the the sports books have given credence to the idea, understandably so, that Cam Rising might not play. But I don't think that they actually believe that that brings it down to a four and a half point line because Utah is at home. I think it came all the way down to four and a half because they were trying to cover themselves for the possibility that Cam Rising doesn't play. And they knew that with all the rumors and everything, remember, their goal is to get 50% of the money on one side, 50% on the other, and then they take the house edge, right? So they pay out to everybody who wins, and then they take the money from everybody who loses. And that, you know, minus 110 that you bet in there, that's where they, you know, win is on the margins there. But it's obviously very, very profitable. But I think they brought it all the way down to four and a half on purpose, and it's back up to six and a half. I don't think it necessarily means that Cam Rising is a lock to play on Thursday. All the indications are that it's still up in the air. But I think that was Vegas kind of covering their rear ends a little bit, saying, well, if he doesn't play, we want to have all these bets down around a four and a half line, but it's gone back up to six and a half because he's probably going to play, but it's not a guarantee. So 
I think that Utah is going to win that game. We'll talk about that more uh, later in the week. Cannot wait wait for that. That'll probably be on uh, probably tomorrow's show. Uh, have, having planned everything out, just kind of depends on what the news is and everything. But here's another one. Talk about a line that's come down. The Stanford line. Oh, dear. They're at Hawaii. They're at Hawaii who just went and lost... They were a big underdog, but put up a decent fight to, to Vanderbilt, one of the worst Power 5 programs in all of America. Stanford opened as a 9.5-point favorite in this game. It's down to 3.5. Now, this may sound crazy, and this game is on Friday. I kind of like Stanford minus 3.5. I was going to take Hawaii in the points plus nine and a half for a Pac-12 prime picks in week one because every dayers out there know I'm low on Stanford this year. I think that's the worst team in the pack. Somebody has to be. And I think the worst football team in the Pac-12 is going to be Stanford. I think they become the first team since Oregon State in 2017 to go winless in conference play. And I think their only wins are going to be Hawaii and Sacramento State. Would it shock me? If Hawaii won this game, no, because that's a big movement and it stayed there, right? The Utah line came down, but then it went back up, rebounded a little bit, right? Had a tough stretch. People were short in the stock and then eh, everybody went long on it again. Not as long as they were before, but they still went long on the stock. Stanford stock in the betting markets has been shorted and they are not backing down here. Three and a half is not a big line. For Hawaii, that is a low-level Mountain West program. They have not been great, and I think that this is Vegas casting serious doubt on Stanford's ability to win several games this year. But this is... I got excited when Cal's win total went from 4.5 to 5.5 because for months I told you, 4.5, bet the over, like the over. Then it went to 5.5, and and now I say, eh, stay away. I think they go 6-6, and but I'd feel a lot better about betting it. I think they're a 5- or 6-win football team, the California Golden Bears, who did officially name Sam Jackson the 5th as their starter this year. That's that's just interesting with Stanford that it's all the way down to 3.5 and and that it's staying there. And once again, I kind of feel validated by the sports books who are saying, okay, 3.5 against Hawaii? That's not good. They clearly know something because that is six points. That's a big, big movement there. Uh, Speaking of big moves, UCLA hasn't made one on the quarterback front. They have, but they haven't. So Ethan Garbers has been named the, the starter of sorts. But Chip Kelly said that all three quarterbacks will probably play this Saturday against Coastal Carolina. They're a two touchdown favorite at home. I don't think that's a team. I, I don't know anything about the, the Chanticleers this year. I do know that as a program, they're not one that I would sleep on as, as a G5 team. I, I have seen them in the top 25 before. They've played some solid football. Like I, I think UCLA will be fine. But here we are in, in the midst of preparation for week one. And this is just the epitome of why I can't get behind UCLA this year. Josh Pate over at uh, the late kick, who I think does an awesome job, and I listen to his show every day. I don't know why he's so high on UCLA because he thinks that Oregon's going to beat UCLA for the Pac-12 championship this year, which like, I don't know who's got that, that prediction other than Pac-12 Pate. I certainly don't have that prediction. I can see Oregon getting there. I cannot see UCLA getting there. And, and, and this announcement is just exactly what I'm talking about. 
You have the best quarterback league in the country by far. You have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. You have two other guys who could win the Heisman Trophy this season in Michael Penix and Bo Nix. You have a two-time defending Pac-12 champion in Cam Rising. And then you have guys like Cam Ward and Jaden Delora who are inconsistent but can be wildly productive. Then you have guys like Shudor Sanders and Sam Jackson who we don't know what they are, but boy, they've got some real upside and and high-level physical traits. And you just keep going down. the And Jaden Rashada, same thing down at Arizona State. And you're telling me that a quarterback room that's going to see three guys take the field on Saturday? Like, first of all, I wonder if that's actually going to happen. Second of all, it just makes me doubt UCLA even more. I think they're a seven or eight win team. I think their roster is capable of being a nine to 10 or maybe even 11 win team. But that quarterback situation, Garbers has emerged. Not that he isn't a capable starter in the Pac-12, but let's say he became the number one guy. He's the sixth best quarterback at best and 10th at the worst. But if all three guys are in line to see action, that means they don't know and no one's distinguishing themselves right now. Colin Schley, the Kent State transfer, clearly hasn't set himself apart. The true freshman, Dante Moore, five-star, number one quarterback in the country. Hard to expect a true freshman to make an impact at the quarterback position. it's, It's a really, really tough thing to do. So I'm doubling down on my take on UCLA. I think they go seven and five this year. I could see eight and four. Ceiling is probably nine and three, but I, I think six and six is more likely than nine and three. I really do. I, I just look at that situation and say, if you're going to be rotating quarterbacks and you're trying to find the guy through the first few weeks of the season, it, it, in this league and this year, and another time, perhaps. In another league, maybe. In this one, right now, I can't see it. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.